Have you got your Bibles with you tonight? Open them, first of all, to Romans chapter 16. And we'll get there in just a few moments, but I'll make some opening statements. I noticed when Jesse put his hands on these handlebars, he preached faster. Did you notice that, like? We was all, Kathy was trying to get him to get his hands off of him because he, he, he just, every time he gripped them, he went to another level. I think he was revved up. That's been our theme, revved up and ready to ride. How many of you are revved up and ready to ride? Amen. I want to remind you of what I shared with you regarding the meaning of revved up. It means to increase in activity, to accelerate sharply, to increase in excitement and expectation. I thought I'd get a good response out of that part. Are there any excited people in here tonight? To increase in excitement and in expectation, to step it up, to stimulate and to enliven, to advance and to become more productive. That's why we're believing God for it, for Jared's Light, to become more productive, more souls in the days ahead than we've ever won before, praise God. And we already got over 156,000 conversions in just a short time. So what can we look forward to? Can you say amen? amen. In fact, Brother Jesse talked about it last night. Why don't we just go ahead and believe for a million souls? I think we can do that through Church of Light alone. Can you say amen? And Bill's already got the plan to accomplish it. Praise God. So we're working on that. A million souls through Church of Light. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them it's time to get revved up. Tell somebody else, it's time to get revved up. Now, I discovered another definition for revved up today when I was preparing for this service. And it is this, to turn up the heat. To turn up the heat. And as I was writing that down in my notes, I heard the Holy Spirit say, now that's what I want you and Jesse to tag team preach about in the morning. Turning up the heat, praise God. All right, so you don't want to miss it. I don't have any idea what he's going to say. I don't have any idea what I'm going to say. But it's all going to come out very powerfully, praise God. We've done this before. Hallelujah. So we'll be preaching about turning up the heat. But tonight I want to focus on something that I heard the Holy Spirit say while Jesse was preaching last night. And I shared it with him afterwards. And I heard this in my spirit. To preach about tonight. Never criticize another man's faith. Never criticize another man's faith. Look at your neighbor and say, never criticize another man's faith. Now, you don't have to turn there, but Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1 says, Judge not that you be not judged. The Amplified Bible says, Do not judge and criticize and condemn others. Do not judge and criticize and condemn others. There is hardly any verse in the Bible that is more frequently disobeyed among Christians than this verse. I'll say it again. There's hardly any verse in the Bible that is more frequently disobeyed among Christians than this verse. And Jesus said that our distinguishing characteristic would be our love for one another. 
Oh, we've got a distinguishing characteristic. It's what the world sees is our strife among one another. But that's not what Jesus said would be our distinguishing characteristic. It's our love for one another. Look at somebody and say, I really love you. (laughs) And you ought to mean it from your heart, praise God. Once again, do not judge, do not criticize, and do not condemn others. Now, once again, this verse is probably uh, the verse that is abused the most, disobeyed the most in the body of Christ today, and particularly among people who are critical of people of faith, faith people. I'm proud to be a faith person. I make no apologies for being a faith person. Make your neighbor smile real big and say, I'm a faith person. Amen. I don't make any apologies about it. I'm thrilled that that's the, the, the message that God brought to me 48 years ago. And I've seen absolutely no reason to change it because it still worketh. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't care what anybody says. And I've been among some folks that uh, are highly developed in criticism. I've even had people write ugly books about me. One guy wrote, guy back a number of years ago, he wrote against Brother Hagen, Brother Copeland, Brother Price, Brother Osteen, and, and, and myself and some others. And so somebody sent me the book. And I thought, well, I don't want to read that trash. And, uh, and then I thought, well, I'll just take a look and see what he said about me. And he said this, Jerry Savelle, all he does is go around the country building people's hopes up. Amen. I wrote him a note and thanked him for the compliment, praise God. I didn't deny it. I am building people's hopes up. But I'm not building people's hopes up on fantasies. I'm building that up on the word of the living God. I went to preach for John Hagee one time, and he introduced me to his congregation as the apostle of hope. Hallelujah. Amen. That's a whole lot better than destroying people's hope. The Bible says, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Amen. I want to encourage people to keep believing God. In fact, the theme of my ministry has been for 48 years. Don't quit. Did your neighbor say, don't quit. You know, I learned a long time ago when you're under the greatest pressure to quit, that's always a good indication. You got the devil right where you want him. He's fired his best shot. You're still standing. Get ready to shout and get ready to rejoice. You're about to win. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. The Bible actually encourages you to stay away from people who are always being critical and causing strife and division. Romans chapter 16, you have your Bible open there. In verse 17, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Avoid them. That's pretty strong. Now, notice he said, uh, contrary to the doctrine of the word, the message which you have learned. But what did they learn? Well, they learned their message. They learned their doctrine from the apostle Paul. And in Romans chapter 10 and verse 8, 
he makes this statement. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. So Paul was a word of faith preacher. And so that's what he's referring to here too. That people that criticize you for hanging on to the doctrine, the teaching, which you have learned. And if you said under Paul's ministry, you learned the word of faith. He said, avoid them, avoid them. Don't keep company with them. They either don't know any better or they're deceived. Are they're deluded with religious tradition. Amen. Just stay away from them. You can love them from a distance. Amen. Praise God. I, I, I think that's what avoid them means. Amen. You know, I don't, I don't go to bars anymore. I avoid places like that. There, there are certain things I don't do anymore. And I don't, places I don't go anymore. I, I avoid that. Amen. Because it's designed by the devil to distract you. And all the criticism is designed by Satan to distract you. And I've been criticized by some of the best. And many of you have as well. But a lot of them are not here anymore and I'm still here. Praise God. That's what I appreciated about Brother Kenneth Hagin. He never changed his message. I, I listened to him for over 40 years and he never pr- changed his message. He taught faith. In fact, that's what Jesus told him to do. Teach my people faith. If you ever heard Kenneth Hagin one time and you heard him 25 years later, he's still talking faith. And 40 years later, he's still talking faith. I, I had the privilege of preaching with him on several occasions and and uh, being in some of his meetings and preaching with him. And, and a lot of times when I would be in his meetings, I'd be sitting on the front row along with Carolyn and his wife, Aretha. And uh, he'd say, open your Bibles to Mark the 11th chapter. I knew exactly where he was going. <laughs> and in fact, if he had stopped in the middle of the sermon and said, Brother Jerry, come on up here and take over. I could tell all these stories. In fact, after a while, I thought I was born in McKinney, Texas. Amen. But you know, not one time did I ever get tired of hearing them. I remember a number of years ago, I was preaching in Southern California and I had several meetings all over that area. And I had one night off a Saturday night. And I knew that Kenneth Hagin was going to be in Riverside, California that night. I was in Los Angeles, and so I determined I was going to go be in his service that night, then drive back to Los Angeles and be in another church uh, in that area Sunday morning. So I'd made my plans to do that. I'd, I'd set those plans up even before I'd gone to California. And so I knew how far it was from my hotel in the L.A. area over to uh, uh, Riverside, and I knew what the traffic was like and all that. I'd done that many times. You know, I've preached probably more messages in California than any other state in America. And uh, so I thought I'd allowed myself enough time to get there and get there early before the service, you know. I didn't tell anybody I was coming. Didn't tell Brother Hagen I was coming. Didn't tell anybody on his staff I was coming. But I asked several pastors where I had already been preaching prior to this, 
if, if they were going over to hear Brother Hagin Saturday night. And not one of them said they were going. In fact, what I heard more frequently out of most of them was that we've already heard yeah. him. Uh, we know what he's going to preach that Mark eleven twenty three and 24. I thought, well, what's wrong with that? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I mean, what better opportunity to set under a man that God personally taught faith to and commission him to teach it to his people. I want to set under a ministry like that. And so I started driving over to Riverside and and uh, boy, the traffic was horrendous. And, and now I'm stuck in traffic. And, and uh, as it turned out, I, I got there late. The service had already started. And I thought, surely when I walked in the, in the back door, uh, that Brother Hagin would be up already preaching. And when I walked through the back door, Brother Hagin had his head down and the Ramah singers were still singing. And he raised his head up and he saw me come through the door and he said, you can stop now. He's here. Brother Jerry, come up here. The Lord had a word for you uh, that he gave to me today. He told me you'd be here. And uh, so I came up to the front and Brother Hagin laid his hands on me. And uh, I won't tell you the whole prophecy, but one part of it was he encouraged me to keep preaching the word of faith. He, he encouraged me to keep following the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And he said, God's moving you out. God's moving you up and it's time for you to move in. Hallelujah. Amen. It was a great word. I received it. Praise God. And then I sat down and he opened his Bible to Mark the 11th chapter and preached on faith. You can have what you say. And I left there just as excited as if I had heard it for the first time in my life. Don't ever get tired of hearing faith. I said, don't ever get tired of hearing faith. And don't be concerned about people that criticize you for living by faith. You know, I was invited a number of years ago to be the uh, commencement speaker uh, for a graduation of a very famous uh, Bible college. And uh, when I got there, now I knew the founders, they loved my ministry. But I didn't know that one of the instructors who happened to be the MC of the graduation that day, he didn't like me at all. I didn't know that. But I knew the founders liked me. And they loved my message. And so uh, I was sitting next to the founder's wife. And uh, she said, I'm so glad you're here. He, she said, I just consider you uh, one of us, you know. And, and uh, she, she just really sweet lady. And uh, so the MC got up to start it. And they went through several of the items on the program. And then he said, now our guest speaker tonight is Jerry Savelle. And he turned and pointed at me and said it very sarcastically. He's one of them faith preachers. And you could tell by the way he said it. He didn't like me. If he'd have had his way, I would have never been the commencement speaker. And so I'm sitting there and listening to this. And I'm, I'm puffing up, you know. Don't look at me so holy. It, it, yeah. I, I bowed up, you know, and, and I, and the Lord said, what's the matter with you? I said, you heard him. He said, what's the matter with what he said? I said, you heard him. He was very sarcastic. He's treating me like I got leprosy or something. He said, son, are you so dense 
that he can't even think of your name without mentioning faith. That's not bad. I said, yeah. So I relaxed and went up and preached faith. Praise God. Amen. And every once in a while, they'll have me come back. He's not there anymore, but they have me come back and I keep preaching faith. Praise God. You know, everybody I've known that's come against faith, they don't last very long. I said, they don't last very long. Amen. And I'm talking about some, you know, some worldwide known preachers, you know, got television broadcasts going all over the world, making a big splash and they go to attacking faith and it won't be long. You won't hear anything about them anymore. Or they're, they're but a, a skeleton of what they used to be, you know, uh, where their ministry was concerned. Amen. Don't ever be ashamed of being a person of faith. That's a whole lot better than being known as a unbelief preacher. And now Jerry Savelle, the unbelief teacher, that'll never be said about me. Praise God. And you say, amen. amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad I'm part of the household of faith. Tell somebody else. I'm so glad that I'm part of the household of faith and lift both hands and say, thank you, God, for teaching me faith. And give the Lord your best shout. Hallelujah. Amen. So once again, the apostle Paul, a great man of faith, he said, people that criticize and, and, and cause divisions where faith is concerned, avoid them. Avoid them. Don't pay any attention because they don't know any better or they're deceived. You can pray for them. Praise God. And I do. I pray for those. Sometimes the prayers, Lord, break their teeth in their mouth. No, that's not it. That's not the one. Uh, David prayed that, but I don't think I'm allowed to do that. No, they just don't know any better or they're deceived. And you know, I remember one time I was invited to come to Birmingham, Alabama to an, uh, should I say it? Yeah. an, An assembly of God church. And the pastor, I had never met him before, but he was very high ranking in the Vatican. I mean, uh, in Springfield, Springfield, Missouri, you know, the headquarters. And uh, he had invited me to come and do his week-long camp meeting. I was one of the speakers. And I didn't know, you know, I'm innocent. I didn't know. I accept the invitation. And when I arrived, he said, Brother Jerry, you cannot imagine the flack I have caught from headquarters by inviting you to be one of the speakers. He said, everybody else is, you know, ordained through our organization. You're the only one that's not. And he said, and the folks uh, in in the uh, upper ranks, they are mad. They told me they were going to boycott my convention. And he said, I told them, you go ahead and boycott if you want to. But I'm hearing Jerry Savelle speak here, whether you like it or not, because I believe his message. He said, in fact, you may not know this, but I preach the same thing he preaches. <clears throat> and he said, and I challenge you to come and just sit and listen and you'll change your mind about him. And so I didn't know any of this. And then he just started laughing. He just threw his head back and started laughing. He said, I'm going to have a lot of fun tonight. 
I said, thanks a lot. He said, I said, why are you going to have so much fun? He said, because I'm going to watch God change hearts. Amen. Well, excuse me. This is just lemon juice, right? Looks like gasoline. I'm getting revved up. Hallelujah. And so I'm preaching word of faith. I didn't alter it. I didn't water it down. I preached it just like I would in a believer's convention. And boy, afterwards, you would have thought that I had hung the moon. They couldn't give me enough compliments. Oh, they were so thrilled that I was not like what they thought I was. That I didn't have leprosy after all. That you could actually touch me, you know, and not be affected. Well, you touch me and you will be affected, praise God. Amen. Paul said, avoid those who criticize you for the doctrine that you have learned. And once again, it's very clear that this man was a preacher of the word of faith. So, what have you learned? This is all I know. I don't know anything else. Kenneth Copeland came, Shreveport, Louisiana, 1948. Preached the word of faith. I only was in the very last meeting service that he was in for that week. I didn't go, but that last night. And one night of hearing the word of faith changed my life. Amen. One night. And then someone brought those old reel-to-reel tapes to my house and said, the Lord told me to bring these to you and for you to listen to them. It was seven reel-to-reel tapes, a message on each side, 14 messages on the word of faith. And that's what I began studying, and that's what I began preaching. And I haven't found any reason to alter or change the message in 48 years. Hallelujah. Amen. It's still working for me. I am what I am today. I have what I have today. And I'll be what I'll be tomorrow because of the word of faith. Hallelujah. So I'm not about to let go of it. Come on. Amen. Criticize all you want. And I'm not talking about you, but whoever. Criticize all you want. That is like water off a duck's back. I don't pay any attention to it. I'm going to keep preaching the word of faith. And I'm not going to criticize any other man that has the audacity to believe God for whatever he's capable of believing God for. If he can believe for it, if he can dream it, if he can hope for it, if he can stand on the word for it, I'm going to rejoin my faith with him and rejoice when it happens. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a shout if you believe it. Amen. Once again, everything I am, everything I have, and everything I'll be is because of the word of faith. And I've decided to stick with it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, cast not away, therefore, your confidence or your faith, which hath great recompense of reward. Why would you ever want to cast away your faith when God promises to reward it? Can you say amen? Amen. It has great recompense of reward. Amen. Amen. People that I know 
that will not let go of their faith are always rewarded. Amen. They're always rewarded. God honors them. Amen. I'm not throwing away my faith just because someone doesn't understand it, just because someone doesn't believe it, or just because somebody's critical of it. I'm holding out for that reward. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? And God has never let me down. God has never disappointed me. Everything I've ever believed God for has come to pass. Amen. Why would I want to change now? Hallelujah. You know, someone got real critical not too long ago about me having so many motorcycles. It's not my fault. It's God honoring his word. He said there's great recompense of reward. Great recompense sounds like to me you can have more than one. <laughs> this, this Indian was blessed to me just a few months ago. By, by a wonderful pastor friend of mine in the St. Louis area, Pastor David Blunt. He blessed me with his motorcycle. Amen. Amen. This is my seventh Indian. I only need three more and I'll have ten little Indians. <laughs> Hallelujah. And see, you can't say that in some circles. People get upset. People get mad. People get jealous. People get critical. But they forgot to ask me how many motorcycles I've given away. I said they forgot to ask how many motorcycles I've given away. Amen. That, that motorcycle is not going to come between me and God. In fact, I come home one time and, and uh, I had... A couple of brand new motorcycles in my garage, less than 500 miles on each of them. And uh, Carolyn was gone preaching somewhere. And so I was home by myself and I thought, well, it'd be a motorcycle day in the morning. So I got on this, this brand new uh, Harley Ultra that I had. And uh, I decided to take off riding. And I hadn't been gone five miles down the road. And the Lord said, this is not your biking. I said, well, whose is it? He told me who it belonged to. I don't mind telling you. He told me to sow it into Ben Priest, the founder of the tribe of Judah. And he said, this is Ben Priest's bike. So I turned around and went home and parked it in the garage. And then I got on this brand new Harley uh, uh, Softail Classic that I had. And I took off on it five miles down the road. He said, this is not your bike. I said, well, whose bike is this? He said, it's Bear Morgan's bike. He was one of my students in the Bible school at that time. And Bear had spent, what, 25 years in prison before getting saved and then coming to our Bible school. So I turned around and went home. So that was the only two bikes I had at the time, so I didn't ride that day. And so I could hardly wait to call Ben. And I told Ben, I said, uh, I have a brand new Harley Ultra, and the Lord told me to sew it into your life. And so he came in a few days and picked it up, praise God. And then we were having classes here. And uh, so I rode that uh, uh, Softail Classic up here. And I told the students, I said, I want all of you to come out in the parking lot. I've been teaching you faith all this time you've been here. Now I'm going to demonstrate it. 
So come out in the parking lot. And they all come out there and they gathered around that beautiful, brand new Harley uh, classic, you know, soft tail classic. And I said, now, Bear, the Lord told me that this is your bike and I'm sewing it into your life right now. Now, Bear was what, about six foot four, five, something like that, 250 pounds and didn't have a place on his body, didn't have a tattoo. 25 years in prison. Most of it in solitary confinement. He was so bad. And I saw Bear. That's the reason they called him Bear. I saw Bear cry like a baby. And when he finally gained his composure, he said this. Brother Jerry, it's the first Harley I've ever owned that I didn't steal. (laughs) Amen. And I said, well, take off for the rest of the day, Bear. Enjoy your bike. He got on that bike, him and Dove, Bear and Dove. And, and him and Dove got on that bike and they rode straight to the grocery store. And, and Bear sitting out there on that bike while Dove went in to get some. And he's still crying. He, he's just overwhelmed by the goodness of God. And some guy come up to him and he come up to him kind of, you know, a little bit intimidated. He didn't know if he needed to come up because Bear still looked like Bear, you know. <clears throat> and... Uh, he walked up to him. He said, uh, sir, can I tell you, that is the most beautiful motorcycle I've ever seen. Bear grabbed me and said, I won't tell you how I got it. He said, I got saved. I've been making, I made Jesus Lord of my life. I've been going to Bible school and, and, and brother Jerry Savelle gave me this bike this morning. And he said, are you saved? And he said, get on over here and let me talk to you about the Lord. And come to find out he was a backslidden Pentecostal preacher. Bear won him back to the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. He got, he got his first convert that very afternoon. Praise God. And one day I got a picture in the mail, bear and dove are in Colorado on that bike. It is loaded down. Now the two of them on there together was a load, but it was loaded down with luggage and gear. It was packed up this high above the, uh, the sissy bar behind it, you know, and they are up there witnessing for Christ. Praise God. Sharing the love of Jesus. See the critic of me having too many motorcycles. He don't know that story. I said, he don't know that story. That was at the time, you remember, Jesse, when me and you and Brother Copeland was doing the Colorado trips. And that particular summer, we were going to go. And I said, well, guys, I I won't be going because I've given my motorcycles away. And uh, Mark James, my grandson, now he was just a little guy back then. He just, you know, about this tall. And he rode with me everywhere. He'd ridden all over the country with me. And Mark James come, he, he, they brought him over to the house. And Mark James said, Papa, let's go ride motorcycles. I said, well, son, I, I gave my motorcycles away. He said, why'd you do that, Papa? I said, well, the Lord told me to. So we got in a truck and we were going somewhere. And Mark James sat over there real quiet. And he said, Papa, I think Jesus is just like you. I said, why do you say that? He said, well, you know, sometimes I ask you if I can have something. And you'll say, yeah, sure, let's go get it. He said, but the other times when I ask you if I can have something, you'll say, I'll think about it. He said, Jesus is just like you. You're going to have some more motorcycles. Jesus is 
thinking about it. That's what he said. And do you know, it wasn't long. I wound up with seven motorcycles, praise God. I mean, they just started coming. Carolyn said, don't you ever give another motorcycle away. They come back to you in fleets. I can't help it. Why? Because I refuse to cast away my faith. And if I refuse to cast away my faith, I will have a great recompense of reward. Hallelujah. Amen. Steve, you here, Steve Moore? Yeah, Steve right there. Steve come drive. It was, a, it was a South Louisiana tour, wasn't it? Steve come driving up there one day, had a trailer behind it. What, you have five motorcycles on there? Brother Jerry, the Lord told me to give you these five motorcycles. Five in one day. You come riding up a little later, Jesse, and saw it. Steve blessed me with five motorcycles. Now, I didn't ask God for more motorcycles. But he does exceeding, abundantly, above all you can ask or think. He can't help himself. He's El Shaddai. And, and so I got home with those and, and the Lord said, I don't want you to keep one of them. You sold them. And I sold all five of them. You know what sowing produces? Seven little Indians. Ten little Harleys. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, people can be critical. Oh, they can get downright ugly. Christians who are critical are the meanest people in the world. Oh, I, I get, you know, I, I get a little frustrated sometimes when the Fort Worth Star Telegram writes ugly articles about Kenneth Copeland. And the local television stations do ugly, you know, things about him. They don't know him. They don't know him. They invaded one of our Thunder Over Texas rallies in Granbury one time. We didn't even know they were there. And they had their cameras out there posing as if they were part of our team. And as soon as Brother Copeland came off the platform after preaching that night, stuck that microphone right in his face. How much money you make? You know, and all these stupid questions. And then show it on the news and, you know, be critical of them, of, of him and his ministry. How many people do you know? Now, I'm on the board of directors. Jesse's on the board of directors. I'm the second oldest serving board of director on Kenneth Copeland's ministry. So I've, I've been there since the beginning. That's right, that's right. How many preachers do you know that's given away about 27 airplanes to other ministries? And you upset that he's got a citation 10? You know, I can, I can fly from, from here to Houston in my plane in about 40 minutes. In his 22. And people are critical. Why does a preacher need an airplane? Well, apparently you're not in the ministry. You follow me and Jesse around and you'll find out why we need an airplane. Or two. Or three. 
Don't pay any attention to critical people. You know, in reality, it's just their way of wishing they were you. It's the carnal mind. If they were honest with themselves, they'd say, I wish I was you. Don't ever be critical of another man's faith. Look at your neighbor and say it. Don't ever be critical of another man's faith. Can you say amen? Once again, I'm not throwing away my faith just because someone doesn't understand it. I'm not going to throw it away just because someone doesn't believe it. And I'm not throwing away because somebody's critical of me. The Bible makes it very clear. Hebrews 10, 38, the just shall live by faith. How many just people are in the house tonight? How many just people are out there watching this by streamlining or whatever you call it? What is it called? Live stream. Yeah. I don't know all the mechanics, but I can preach order of faith. Praise God. I don't know all that, all that technical stuff. But I believed it in. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Glory to God. Amen. The just shall live by faith. That's not a suggestion. That is a command. The just shall live by faith. 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 Hallelujah. Another translation says they'll have their lives sustained. By their faith. Well, that faith movement is over. Your mama. That faith movement is not over in the first place. It was never a movement. Never has been a movement. Never will be a movement. It's a lifestyle commanded by God for how his people ought to live. Come on, somebody shout unto God tonight. Hebrews chapter 10 goes on to say, if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Anybody want to please God tonight? Then live by faith. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. Well, I tried and it didn't work. Well, there's a house full of people that have tried and it did work. Amen. The Bible says, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Don't follow people that it's not working for. Don't follow people that give up and quit. Don't follow people that tried and it didn't work. Follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Hallelujah. I'm preaching better than you're responding. Give the Lord a shout. Glory to God. The Bible says, Hebrews eleven six. but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hallelujah. It's impossible to please God without faith. To let go of your faith just because someone is critical of you is not pleasing to God. I've, I've, been, I've been to... Nearly 4,000 churches in America alone since 1969. And many of them I've made return visits to. Some I go every year. That's not in counting all the churches in other nations. 4,000 in America alone. And some of them started out in the word of faith. 
And eventually, and I didn't know because, you know, maybe it been a year since I'd been there. When I returned, I found out they'd let go of it. They're preaching something else now. And, and one particular minister that was, I was real close to, and I preached for him every year, and he'd had a, had a, a week-long convention every year, and he'd have me to come and be a part of that. And uh, it was always centered around the word of faith. Everybody, all the preachers, all the speakers were word of faith. And then this last time I went, I noticed that uh, when I got there, the lineup was quite different. In fact, he had invited people that are world-renowned for preaching against the word of faith. I thought, well, what's going on here? And so I was, they asked me to come early, you know, and I was there a couple of days before I was to speak, and, and I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Well, I'll take it back. I could believe what I was hearing because of the person who was speaking, but I couldn't believe that this pastor had lowered himself to this. And I thought, well, what am I doing here? And so when it came my time, I just opened up with these remarks. <clears throat> it is apparent that this is no longer a word of faith conference. And so pastor, don't invite me to come because I won't be coming back. Because if I come back, all I'll do is ruin your party. Because you know what I stand for. I stand for the word of faith. Now open your Bibles, Mark 11 chapter. Come on. And I preached my last faith message there. And it wasn't long after that where I get a letter, you know, a few years later, where he's about to lose his building because he can't pay the notes. I thought, he didn't want my message, but he wants what it'll produce. Hello. Amen. I'm not letting go of the word of faith. I don't care if every preacher in America decides to preach something else. Me and Jesse are sticking to the word of faith. And Brother Copeland, hallelujah. We stick into the word of faith. Amen. I'd be a fool for letting go of this. Jesse'd be a fool for letting go of this. Kenneth Copeland would be a fool for letting go of this. Amen. Hallelujah. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. First Timothy chapter 1 tells us from the writings of the Apostle Paul. That even in his day, people challenged the word of faith. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 19, it said he, he talked about some men who had put away concerning faith. And then he goes on to say, and they've only come to the place of making shipwreck of their lives. People who have heard the word of faith, even preached it, and then let go of it. You just watch. You won't be long. Shipwreck. Shipwreck. In fact, I have, I have my own philosophy about this. You may not agree with it. But anybody who let go of the word of faith, it never was a revelation to start with. Never was a revelation to start with. Now, we have a lot of imitators. Amen. We have a lot of guys out there that you know, that, that have heard us preach the word of faith. They've seen the results that it's produced. And they, they just come up and kind of copy the messages. But when all hell breaks loose, we're going to find out whether or not they really believe it. Because, brother, 
when all hell breaks loose, that's when you need the word of faith more than you ever needed in your life. You don't let go of the word of faith in a storm. You'll end up shipwrecked. Can you say amen? Amen. Don't ever criticize another man's faith. Say it with me. Don't ever criticize another man's faith. The message translation here from 1 Timothy, it says, they have made a thorough mess of their lives because they let go of the faith. In this same verse, it says earlier, referring to Paul's son, Timothy, he says to him, keep a firm grip on your faith. From the message translation. Keep a firm grip on your faith. Once again, you never stop living by faith. You never stop preaching faith. You never stop believing God. No matter what anybody else says about it. Don't pay any attention to their criticism. Just keep going forward. Hallelujah. Paul in his second letter to Timothy says that those who are critical, 2 Timothy 2.17, they have gone astray from the truth. They've gone astray from the truth. He even gives a partial list of people who used to follow his ministry and adhered to his message, but eventually deserted him. And it's recorded in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10 and verse 14. He, he gives a record, calls them out. Of some men that once believed his message, but they left the faith and they deserted Paul. But do you notice it didn't stop him from preaching faith? It didn't stop him from believing for the impossible. Hallelujah. He said, I kept the faith. How many of you can say, I kept the faith? Say it with me. I kept the faith. Say it out loud. I kept the faith. And say, I'm going to keep keeping the faith. (laughs) Amen. Well, Paul gave his list. You want to hear mine? No, I don't want to bother to bring it up. I got a list too. That uh, used to believe my message, love my ministry, adhered to what I said. And now they've deserted me. But I'm going to keep on preaching it. Hallelujah. Amen. The apostle John even wrote in one of his letters that there were those who no longer, 3 John 3, uh, 9 and 10. He said, they no longer acknowledge my authority and they refuse to accept what I preach. They no longer acknowledge my authority and they refuse to accept what I preach. I know this has happened to Jesse as many times as probably has happened to me. That, you know, I'm, 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 I'm well respected, mm-hmm. Amen. you know, Amen. Uh, around the world for what I preach. But there are some who once respected and once embraced my message. That no longer show any respect at all. And I'm not going around, you know, asking for a pat on the back. I get that from God. <laughs> That's all I need, praise God. Hearing him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't need that from man. I get it from God. Hallelujah. Amen. 
But you know, 48 years have come and gone. And I have never altered the message. Brother Copeland showed a couple of years ago in the Believers Convention here in Fort Worth what I was, what I was preaching that year. And they showed some old film of me because I've preached at every convention he's ever had. Old film of me preaching way back in 1979 or so. And I was still preaching the same message. It showed then and it showed now. And I, and I hadn't altered the message in the least. I find no reason to. It's still working. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, don't ever be critical of another man's faith. Say it again. Don't ever be critical of another man's faith. So apparently since Paul had his deserters and John had his, apparently this being critical of the word of faith is not anything new. It's been going on for a long, long time. Amen. Amen. Brother Roberts, he'd, he'd have me in tears telling me stories of the hatred of people that hated his ministry, hated him, hated his family. I sat across from him one time, across from his desk, and him telling me, Brother Jerry, no, well, Jerry, Jerry, I'm the most hated preacher in America. Why do they hate me? I said, I don't hate you. (laughs) He had me in tears, man. And then when I got through, you know, wiping my eyes and all, and I looked up, he's smiling. I thought, you set me up, didn't you? You thrive on that. He said, yeah. The more they hate me, the more I believe God. The more I do the impossible. Hallelujah. Amen. The more they hate you, just keep on believing God. The more they criticize you, just keep believing for bigger, bigger things. Hallelujah. Amen. They criticize your house. Tell them you ain't seen nothing yet. Criticize the car you drive. Just wait till the next one. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Somebody give the Lord a shout. Praise God. James chapter four and verse 11 says this. Do not speak against one another. Do not speak against one another. Another translation says, do not slander one another. And you know what the word slander means? An attempt to damage another person's reputation. An attempt to damage another person's reputation. And Christians do this all the time. And the world's worst are preachers. You know, I don't tell this. I've only told it one time, but twice. I've told it twice. I was sound asleep one night. And I was awakened. And my dear friend, Buddy Harrison, who'd already gone home to be with the Lord, was standing at the foot of my bed. And I raised up and I said, buddy, is that you? And, and the reason I asked if it was him, because it looked like pictures of a young buddy that I had seen. He, he wasn't he he as, looked as old as he was when he went home to be with the Lord. I said, buddy, is that you? He said, yes. I said, what are you here for? He said, I have a message from heaven. I said, what is it? 
He said, we know in heaven when you're critical of one another. I said, how do you know? He said, because the angels bow their head and fold their wings. He said, you tell my people, tell God's people. Quit being critical of one another. Now, and then he left. Now, I don't tell that very often because I don't want people getting spooky. You know. And a short time after that, I was to preach in Pat Harrison's minister's conference that she and Buddy founded. And the Lord told me that I was to share it with that congregation. That we need to stop being critical of one another, particularly critical of people who preach the message of faith. And it seems like today, in today's world, some preachers feel like it's a call of God on their life to be critical of the word of faith. Come on. You know, the Bible says in Romans that we started off with, it talks about, and Matthew, where we read, that you being critical toward another, what you're so critical about will come back on you. Amen? Look at your neighbor again and say, don't ever be critical of a man's faith. I've decided this. You can do what you want to, but I've decided this. I'm going to keep on believing the words of Jesus. And Matthew 17, verse 20 says, If you have faith, nothing shall be impossible unto you. If you have faith, nothing shall be impossible unto you. If you have faith. I didn't say grace. I didn't say love. I didn't say the gifts of the Spirit. If you have faith. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. And then in Mark chapter 9 and verse 23, all things are possible to him that believeth. All things. Everybody say nothing Nothing. and all things. Say nothing Nothing. will be impossible unto me. me. Say all things things are are possible unto me. I'm a person of faith. Can you fathom that? Nothing shall be impossible. Nothing, 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 nothing shall be impossible. And all things are possible to them that believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't allow anybody to put limits on your faith. If you've got the faith, To believe for the tallest building in Fort Worth, Texas for your headquarters. I'm going to set myself in agreement with you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Carolyn and I have had the privilege of being in Jesse and Kathy's home that they believed God for for over 30 years. We've heard them talk about it even before they built it way back a long time ago. And it is one fine place. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a mansion. Hallelujah. Come on. Glory. 
And not one time when we've gone there have we ever walked, you know, gone to our bedroom saying, can you believe that? They don't need that. No, we just stand in awe of what God has done. And Carolyn especially. And we've been there many times, and every time we go, Carolyn sees something she didn't see before. And she just goes on and on and on and rejoicing with them. I'm not going to be critical of another man's faith. If he has the audacity to believe God for it, and he has the the leadership of the Holy Spirit to believe God for it, then we shouldn't be critical. We ought to rejoice when we see it happen. Hallelujah. In fact, if you ever get down to New Orleans, just drive by. You don't have to go in. Just drive by and just say, whoo, I'm next. I'm next. Hallelujah. Praise God. If God would do that for him, he could do it for me. If you have faith, nothing is impossible. Don't be critical of another man's faith. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Don't be critical of another man's faith. And don't put limits on your faith and don't let anybody else put limits on your faith. He's the God that can do over and above and beyond anything we can ask or think according to Ephesians 3.20. I love the Amplified. Super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. If you can believe it, God can do it bigger than that. If you can dream it, God can do it bigger than that. If you can hope it, you you are serving a God who can do it bigger than that. Hallelujah. I've never had God say, now son, you're just believing for too much. Enough is enough. I've never had him say, enough. Hallelujah. He's the God. And I love this in the Amplified. All that we dare ask. I I grew up in the South. And people double dog dare folks to do things. And if you're worth your salt, you never passed up a double dog dare. Carolyn come down to visit me one time in Natchitoches where I went to college. And, and a buddy of mine were lifeguards. And, and uh, she came down there and a friend uh, of hers, and they came and spent the afternoon with us. We were out on the, on the river. And uh, someone come up and tapped me on the shoulder. Said, Jerry, you're next. I said, okay. I got up and Carol said, where are you going? I said, you see that bridge over there? I'm going to climb up on top of this upper structure and dive off. She said, you're crazy. I said, I had a double dog dare. <laughs> you don't pass up a double dog dare. You're going to go, you're going to, not going to just jump off the highway. I'm going to climb on top of the bridge on the railing and dive off. And if I did it, the guy I went and tapped and double dog dare, he had to add something to it. If I did a one and a half, he had to do a two. <laughs> Carol said, you're crazy. You'll kill yourself. I said, yeah, but I ain't passing up no double dog there. 
And I keep hearing God. I hear God in my prayer time. I double dog dare you to believe for something you ain't never believed for before. I double dog dare you to go to the highest level that you can believe. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, God's double dog daring you right now tonight to believe him for the biggest thing you've ever believed him for. Hallelujah. And you know what? You're among the household of faith. We're not going to be critical. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a good shout of praise. Amen. Let me close it with this. Joseph of old was a big dreamer. He was not only criticized for it, but he was hated for it. There are people that hate us. Christians. But read the whole story. Their criticism nor their hatred had the ability to stop his dream from coming to pass. Not everyone will rejoice when you say, as Joseph did, I have dreamed a dream. Not everybody's going to rejoice with you. And sometimes you're better off not telling some people what your dream is. Don't cast your pearl to the swine. Amen. There are just some people, I'm not even interested in sharing my dream with them because all they'll do is try to talk me out of it or be critical of it. Can you say amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I have dreamed a dream. Hallelujah. How lofty are your dreams tonight? Don't put any limits on them. Your God is an unlimited God. You go on and dream. You go on and believe. You keep on proclaiming it. Never let go of it. And if you'll hold fast to it, God will make it happen. Give the Lord your best shout. Hallelujah. Come on, stand up. Give the Lord another shout of praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Look at somebody and say to them, I will never... Never, 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 ever again again. be critical of another man's faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and let's bless the Lord and thank him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Let, Let me share this last little tidbit that I believe will inspire you. Uh, recently, it's back in uh, last year, I guess it was, uh, we, we were blessed with, with another airplane for the ministry. And it's the finest one I've ever owned. God's put nine different airplanes in this ministry in 48 years. Debt-free, praise God. It's, it's the fastest one I've ever owned. Joe and I were flying back from Toronto just a few weeks ago, 42,000 feet, 602 miles an hour. I was looking down at the commercial airlines and waving at them. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I, I'm perfectly satisfied. It's, it's, it's really a blessing to my life. And not long ago. Now, I'd, I'd been believing for an international aircraft. The one that I, I have presently. Uh, it'll fly me all over America. Fly me to Canada. And I could fly it to England, but I have to make, you know, two or three stops. 
but I, I can't go west. Okay, I, I don't have the range to go as far as uh, Honolulu, Australia, and all that. And so I've been believing for quite some time because I have offices all over the world for an international jet. Well, there came a time a few years ago where I thought, well, maybe I don't need that anymore. All my offices were doing well. Bible schools all over the world were doing well. You know, it it, it just seemed like maybe I'd accomplished everything that I set out to do. So I thought, well, maybe I don't need that anymore. Well, every time I'm believing God for an airplane, I sold the one that I previously owned into some other ministry. And the next thing I do, I have a model made of the one I'm believing for. And I put it on my desk. So every time I walk in that office, I can see it. Make the vision plain. And, and after it manifests, I have, a, I have a table in my office that is lined up with airplanes that have manifested over the years. And so the one I'm believing for, I keep right on the front of my desk here. So I had this Falcon 50EX on a model of it. And I had an easel sitting at the corner of my uh, bookshelf with this Falcon 50EX and the, the, the cockpit and the um, interior of it and everything, you know. And, and, and I had printed on there uh, Romans 4, God calleth things that are not as though they were. And so I'd walk by that every time I'd go in my office, lay my hands on it, and call that plane into the ministry. <clears throat> well, like I said, I thought, well, maybe I don't need that anymore. So I took that easel at some point, and I put it in my closet in my library in my office. And I put that model over on another table. And one day, I mean, just out of the blue, God said, now this, this is worthy of you remembering, because I think some of you have done the same thing. God said, get your dream out of the closet. Get your dream out of the closet. I said, what? He said, get your dream out of the closet. I said, what dream? He said, your Falcon 50 EX. I said, Lord, I've got a nice airplane. He said, why can't you have two? He said, don't you know a lot of other ministers that need to go global? And you can be a blessing to them. He said, it'll always be used even if you're not using it. He said, not only that, but I never forget a man's faith. You've been believing for it for a long time. Why give up on it now? You're so close to it. You know what I did? I went and got that easel and I put it back at the corner of my desk and I took that model and put it back on the corner of my desk. I got my dream out of the closet. And it wouldn't surprise me if I wouldn't be giving you the testimony here very soon that the God who does exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask of him has done it again. Amen. So I challenge you tonight, get your dream out of the closet. Don't, don't worry about people being critical of your faith. Just go on and believe God anyway. Lift your hands right now. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe I have, I have shared I have preached 
exactly what you told me to. I didn't know where this was going tonight until this afternoon. All I had was the, the thought, don't ever criticize another man's faith. But I thank you for giving me the word and inspiration and anointing. And now I leave it in the hands of the Holy Spirit to cause it to lodge in the hearts of every people that heard it and take it with them and run with it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lift your hand right now. If, If you have a dream and that dream has not come to pass yet and you're still determined to hang on to it, Hold your hand up right now. Praise God. Brother Jesse, would you come and help me? Because I know you're a dreamer. Hallelujah. Give him a mic. I know Brother Jesse's a dreamer. He's a big dreamer. And I won't, I'm going to pray over you and I'm going to ask him to pray over you. Hallelujah. Are you going to receive it? Yes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over all of my friends, all of my co-laborers, all of all the people that I love so very much. And I know that they're men and women of faith. They're dreamers. Yes. They have, they have goals that, and ambitions that they have set for their personal lives and their ministries and their families, businesses. And in the name of Jesus, God, if they can dream it, you can do it. And I pray that something is stirring in their spirit tonight in the name of Jesus. And they'll walk away from this place and never let go of that dream again and never be moved by what they hear and never be moved by what others think. But they'll just stay in faith, keep believing God, and in the name of Jesus, it won't be long and the vision shall speak. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Lord, you said in Matthew that if two of us agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, that it shall be done of them of my Father which is in heaven. Yes. He said, if you ask anything in my name. Thank you. Now, Lord, I want chariots of light and the people that are standing here that have the same reputation, Lord, when Joseph came walking up and his brother said, behold, that dreamer cometh. Or look, that dreamer is coming. Lord, let every dream come to pass. Lord, I put you in remembrance what what Kenneth Copeland told me in 1995, that by the end of that year, I'd I'd have to believe for new dreams. Lord, and I'm telling you, and it was impossible for you, for me to even believe that. But yet something rose up in me. Now, Lord, I ask you to have their faith rise up in them Thank now. Because come December 31st, 1995, I had everything I had ever believed. And I had to just come up with something different in the next year because you gave it to me. Father, I thank you that the testimonies that's going to come to pass right now for these dreamers, they'll begin to tell people, we pray. We just simply prayed in September at the Chariots of Light Rally. And Lord, now we have what we say. And Lord, we're going further. I decree and declare because I'll be there too. I will set myself in agreement. Jerry sets himself in agreement. Lord, you set yourself in agreement. And Satan would get great present telling you, you can't agree with nothing. You are outside, can't even get in the building. Lord, I decree and declare today in Jesus' name, every dream manifests. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your voice. Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Amen.
Give somebody a high five and say, I receive it. I receive it. Glory to God. Go ahead and be seated for a moment. 